Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate. Good afternoon investors, my name is Will Brownlee and welcome to the COSEC Show where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance for the week that was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Before I go any further, as always, allow me to introduce to my investment panel, resident experts in the market. As always, the ever-wonderful Caroline Wong. Is there a doctor in the house? Dr. Adam Cherikowski, and of course, the ever-mystic Mr. Louis Mossman. Gentlemen and lady, welcome. How's the week been? Good. Another good week and another good week in the market for sure. And a positive week in the market. Yep. The last couple of weeks we've had a bit of volatility moving up and down, up and down, but we are on all-time highs yep. and the US is on all-time highs as well. What's really running that? Let's go over to Mr. Mossman. Talk to us about the RBA's comments, sort of what's been sort of going around locally. Normally we look overseas, but let's go locally for now. Yeah, so the, obviously the first Tuesday of the month was this week uh, and we had our RBA meeting. Now, like most RBA meetings over the last 12 months, there really hasn't been much news coming out there. And a lot of the rhetoric has just been a repeat of what was previously. So the Federal Reserve, as I mentioned over the last few weeks, has been the first real central bank to start the rumblings of tapering. The Australia, uh, the RBA on Tuesday didn't do that at all, really. They kept the uh, cash rate at 0.1% uh, as expected, and their quantitative easing program provided no updates. So that really shifts all of the attention to their next meeting in July because they'll have to make an announcement on what they're going to do with the QE program, which currently ends in September. So they obviously announced that 200 billion in asset purchases Mm -hmm. over a period of time. Now that comes to an end in the next meeting. So there has to be an update. So there'll be a lot more focus and attention, but not a real huge impact on the market for the RBA decision uh, as of this week, quite a muted one. Oh, very, very good. Let's go over to Caroline. I have a talk to us about uh, GDP, Australian yeah. GDP, because that was also released uh, earlier. Mm. So big data, big, a lot of data coming out both here and locally. Let's unpack a little bit of that. Have a yeah, chat to us sure. about that. Uh, so GDP figures were released on Wednesday, overall very positive, both on a year-on-year basis as well as a quarter-on-quarter basis. If we pull up the, strat- the chart, first we can see quarterly growth that's highlighted in a blue line that rose 1.8%, and then year-on-year growth that's highlighted in a yellow bar that rose rose 1.1%. So what this means is that compared to one year ago when the pandemic first broke out, our economy actually rose and or expanded 1.1%. That means we are bigger than where we were before one year ago. Oh, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. Back that up. So mm. despite the COVID, yeah. the pandemic, we've actually grown. We've actually gone right. up to 1.1%. what we were. Is that pot light? Is that possible? Or is that? It's a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> oh, okay. Get back in your box, Will. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm just going to keep up. So mm. we had it, we were, were at level X and we had the pandemic and everything mm. went down, everything closed down again. Mm. We're back in lockdown a little yeah. bit now. Yeah. 
and yet our GDP is higher. Mm. Is that striking anyone else as slightly peculiar, or am I the only person that's seeing well, that? Well, if you if you look at it on the fact that yes, we've just edged above our pre GDP highs, and so is our stock market as well. Our stock market has previously surpassed its previous highs. So, so that all to do with the amount of stimulus that's been chucked into the economy. Is that really how powerful it's been for a lot of people? For sure, I think it's had a direct impact. Partly, so. but uh, so there are three aspects I'd like to jump into and unpack it a little bit more. So private investment. So that has been the strongest on record. It rose five percent. So that and when you sense, say private right? investment, who's private investing? Is that like private investors, not not institutions, or retail investors? Retail investors so, from here or from yeah, overseas correct. as well? Local. Local. So yeah. you're just saying big, big people, big, big million people yeah. putting a lot of money back exactly. in. Exactly. So I guess they're trying to take advantage of the record low interest rates. Yep. So you invest in other businesses. You invest into housing as well. Another one that's done well was housing savings ratio. So that fell from 12 to 11%. So that makes sense, right? As the economy reopens, whatever the, you saved during the pandemic, you're now coming out to spend. Okay, so it went from 12 to, it went from 12 to 11, which means yeah. people are saving less. Spending more. So they're spending more, saving less, mm. which, you know, I think uh, my, my parents would probably sit there and say, that's not the way to go. Will, yeah, but I know that's the old <laughs> rhetoric is you want to save more, save more. But, yeah, but that uh, comes off added certainty and confidence that's been given to investors from low interest rates and a JobKeeper plan that has been very successful. Mm. So all of the data and all of those metrics Caroline mentioned are definitely correlated to both of those policy measures mm. that continue to support all of this all of these metrics yeah but I, I think well, sorry one more thing is that the Deloitte actually conducted a study it says that at Australia together with five other countries you're actually in a very very lucky position because whatever we have right now we actually boast an economy that's bigger than that of the pre-pandemic levels so if you compare to United Kingdom their economy is nine percent smaller than where it was a year ago because we were doing well before the pandemic as well. Mm. They uh, There was actually the whole rhetoric was that we actually entered into this pandemic not in a bad place. In terms of our budget deficits, we weren't that bad. I think America was in a, in a right stage, yeah. but we weren't actually that bad at the time. And, uh, you know, so is this is this boding very well? Do we think this could be the next thing? Because a lot of people say in terms of the stock market, we'll hit our all-time highs and have a softness. A lot of other people say when you hit the all-time highs, you obviously hit the top Donchin channel on a technical chart and i believe it was jesse livermore the famous stockbroker of the early 1900s that said that when something hits an all-time high you buy more of it because if it's done it once it'll hit an all-time high again is there are we going to go into this big uh big sort of super rally and could we anticipate that maybe the market might go up 20 percent, or am i just dreaming here no i think well i think as soon as we've reached all-time highs the market has had no no hesitation to surpass them and continue higher we've now had two positive weeks of almost two percent higher movements and i think the market isn't really concerned about what we were before or after most of it though and a lot of this gdp data you have to remember is probably um covered in a high iron ore prices assisting our current account and then of course our gdp figures so there'll be definitely aspects of the real economy and the economy uh, the regular people like us are involved in that might not have recovered as much as say iron ore prices, because that's what's really, really driving our GDP figures. And I imagine that would be a, a core component that might hide the real state of the economy. Mm. So stock market still looking positive. Looking positive. Because one of the things that I always hear about from a lot of people from a anecdotal perspective, I've been hearing people say to me, oh, the market's getting frothy, the market's getting all its all time highs. And I'm like, yeah, but you were also saying that six months ago. Yeah. You were also saying that a year ago. People were also saying that back in 2018, when we breached 6,000 for the first time, uh, you know, a lot of people have always yeah. said that. And we always say that the market is designed to go up. If we look at it from the 1900s all the way up, it's designed to sort of move into a positive direction. 
So of course we, we were anticipating that from here we could just kick on and we are quite a bit lower than anywhere else. The US is 15% above its yeah. year ago, but, like there. But I guess, I think where we are right now, we got more certainty that it will continue going higher. Cause last month, what happened was that we tried going above 7,000 and then we fell back. We just had difficulties breaching above our previous highs. But now that we're just really broke past, there's a lot of more certainty and more clarity yeah. that we are. What's driving us apart? What do you think's the main, main stocks or sectors that are really pushing us up there at the moment? Caroline, that was yeah. seems to be on the tip of our tongue. Well, if you look at the largest market capped companies on our market over the last 12 months, the banks and financials yeah. have really, I sorry, think it, I, financials and materials have really yeah. bought the market. Really so they're the biggest weighted and they're the strongest performers. You look at all the big four banks performing exceptionally well, uh, recovering from the pandemic. And of course, you've got the BHPs, the Rios that are also Fortescue Metals that are also doing extremely well. And they're really buoying the index because their market capitalization is so significant with yeah. for our investors that don't know or our watchers that don't know dr adam cherikowski does a lot of valuation models a lot of those a lot of number crunching that i don't understand anything else but <laughs> i'm privy enough on the odd occasion to be invited into a little i'll call it a lecture a big uh, presentation an artful presentation on a a lot of stocks and uh he was talking about the financial sector and you had a dot plot on there and i said what's that stock that's at 166 dollars i couldn't for the life of me think of it and of course i realized it was macquarie and I'm so used to thinking of Macquarie being at the $100 mark, trying to break that $88 mark, yeah. 90 And mm. I just suddenly realized, wow, they just had such a phenomenal rally towards the north. Afterpay touch hit 100 or, you know, it was a while ago. Yeah. And then you've got CBA back on 100. I mean, there's well, a no, lot no, of them. I was about to mention that Commonwealth Bank is obviously the largest company within yeah. our index. And it's the first time it's ever breached $100. We haven't mentioned it on the podcast, but $100, quite a significant number for the most. And BHP too. BHP is very close to its all-time high or since 52 weeks. So, mm. yeah, of course. Yeah, right. So that's enough about that. That's enough about what's happening here and enough about what's happening over in the USA. I want to go over to the doctor himself, the good doctor. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what's happening in China at the moment. Yeah, thank you. So in China, the big news right now is that the government decided to allow three children for the families. And uh, this has been a policy that has been enforced since 1980. So that's where the one-child policy was introduced so over 40 years ago. And now there is a more and more concern about the childbirth. So looking at some numbers, like in China, we have one for 1.4 billion people and the birth rates there are like 12 million so that is 0 0.001 billion yeah. adding up to the million that we have already so they are just extremely low and so people aren't having kids basically yeah. so aging population you've got a lot of old people no one young getting born to support them is that what i, I imagine a lot of the younger population probably emigrating around the world as well there's a lot of opportunity elsewhere a lot of students come and study in australia and that's a known fact and you know there's probably those younger people looking for opportunities outside of china yeah. like they are and old people are grumpy country. and mean so <laughs> so one one thing that somehow shows how desperate the, the government is potentially is that when they introduced the uh, the two-year uh, child policy it didn't help at all actually uh, for so no one, one went out here yes, anymore. Yeah. For one year, there was an increase in birth uh, in the number of births, but then it started declining again. So now they're trying yeah. trying to do something again. And actually, 
I don't expect it will, it will be helping quite a lot because it's really expensive to have children. And also the sentiment of uh, the Chinese population, they are somehow more used now to have yeah. less children. Yeah, they experienced a cultural shift 40 years ago and the people that are having kids now have only known small families because they're at their, yeah, their child rearing years. And so they're, they're like, they're, 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 they've got this whole idea of two kids, what, you crazy? Three kids, are you mental? Here it's like, I suppose that's that big British culture. Uh, having spent quite a bit of time in England before and obviously been around in Australia, the whole idea is you, the, the whole, the monarchy would always say you breed one heir and one spare. That's why there's two princes. You know, you bring one heir, one person to take over the throne and then a spare in case something happens to them. It seems to be quite common, two children, three that's that's quite a common I, thing I, I think the main thing driving that is the cost of actually supporting it yeah, for a child because the whole idea of having a child over the last thousand years is you've got you'd rather have 10 people looking after you in your old mm. age and providing for you and your farm than just one but obviously the world we live in is very different mm -hmm. and china wants to spur their gdp growth against stimulate their economy by more people working harder and an aging population is of course going to become more costly to them so they're trying to really change that culturally now and I'm not sure how much success Adam's forecasts aren't <laughs> well, significant. I mean, I, I think, I mean, right now China is doing really yeah. well and, and the economy is growing and, and so on and so forth. But long term, we have to be cautious uh, because we can already predict the population many years in the future uh, and have fairly accurate predictions. So and we really do see that uh, in like when we are looking 10 years and 20 years ahead, that there will be a shift uh, where China will, will simply be in a more tough position. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's what sums it up in its essence. We've got the, the, the markets doing well, and you're allowed to have three kids if you live in China. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our panel, please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Everyone who does receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing in Dibbox for $39.95, or our magazine, Selling a News Agency Australia-wide for $19.95. In the meantime, like, subscribe, and hit that bell, and we'll be back with your currency and commodity overview. As kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Herzeg is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzeg Kadari Securities. Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve, using new and improved methods, having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. 
innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Bloom, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate COSEC stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit COSEC.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Do you follow currencies? Want to know how the Aussie dollar is travelling? Do you love commodities? Do you see gold... Do you see more demand for oil? Do you see the world economy growing? Get the latest in-depth analysis and discussion on commodities every week from real traders. Get real insights only on The COSEC Show. Currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go round. Going to go straight over to Mr. Mossman. Let's talk about something that doesn't shine or sparkle or fold. We'll go yes. straight to oil. It glugs around a little bit. 
talk to us about that because that is the hot news. Not only has it had some upgrades, but also it's uh, been going on a nice little tear towards the north. Talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, of course. So earlier in the week, we had an OPEC meeting, which we haven't had in some time. If we bring up a chart of oil, actually, we can definitely see that it has broken through its all-time highs, and that's crude oil. Uh, that's West Is Texas that all-time intermediate. or 52 weeks? Oh, sorry, no, sorry, all-time. So, yeah, 52-week highs. And Brent has also done the same. So we've had some very bullish candlesticks, all green, consecutive days, slowly, slowly moving north. There's been some... Um, increases in pumping oil, but most of it is the fact that they've kept it relatively stable. There were, were some expectations that they might dramatically increase the supply of oil to the market, but the demand supply dynamic that was, I suppose, gained from the OPEC meeting was overall positive for the price itself. The main driver, I, be, I suppose, and it's been a pretty boring driver as it's been what we've been mentioning every time we've talked about oil. It's just the continually robust opening of the economy. And there's been a lot of US data as well that has supported that uh, strong reopening, especially some US jobs data, which I believe, Adam, you've got a bit to say about because that's really what moved the commodity and currency space this week. So US jobs data, but I might throw that over to you to discuss if you if you like. Sure thing. Yeah. So we're talking about uh, those data. So let's maybe put a slide on top uh, on the screen showing initial claims. So they have been steadily falling. Uh, so as we see, this really just showing that the economy is getting back on track in, in US and it's really have an overall positive impact. So what does it mean? So for example, like for gold, so we will be uh, moving away from gold then, right? Having a better economy growing. So gold is, uh, has actually has some dips over the week. So. Uh, 2% roughly uh, yesterday. And um, overall, I think it will be going upwards because of the obvious things we have discussing again and again. So we have the economy in US where the president is pu pu pushing a lot of initiatives to s spur the economy. And um, so that will be pushing uh, gold downwards in the long, uh, long term. And we also have the inflation fears as well. Yeah. So there are all these in the bigger picture. I think really is while we do see a dip in gold, I, I'm much more optimistic in the long term. And yeah. so this is the job claims was just one of the indicators. But we also we had more announcements this week. For for example, the number of jobs uh, for this month we had almost a million new jobs created. So uh, ADP, automatic data processing, was releasing numbers, 970,000 new jobs over a month. Yeah. So again, very impressive numbers. Uh, again, showing positive momentum and optimism. So there, there is a, a temporary dip in gold, certainly uh, because of those numbers. But overall, in the longer term, yeah. I do see it. I think one of the things that I always, always notice about with, uh, with gold and taking it back to stocks, because obviously we don't, at COSIC, we don't invest in the underlying bullion of gold, but we do invest in gold mining operatives. Now, everything's almost exacerbated when you do that. The price of gold goes up half a percent or half, yeah, half percent, then the gold miners can go up two or three percent, goes up one percent. They can sometimes go up as much as 10 percent. With the gold having run quite hot recently, and for earlier the other day, like yesterday, it dropped two percent on, on jobs data, etc., and it dropped about 2%, and then we saw a lot of gold miners just get absolutely hammered because they had done so well and had such a big run-up. I think that's one of the things that I, I get quite nervous about. Now, does this mean that they're, they're more, I suppose, are they more active? Should you be more actively approaching your, your, your holdings when it comes to these commodity cycles? I mean, commodities has always been quite a cyclical thing, 
But I suppose the emphasis now is shall we be a little bit more active in holding gold and make sure that we are taking profits on a regular basis? What are your thoughts, Mr. Mossman? Well, I think when it comes to all this economic data, and we've had a flurry of it this week, there's almost every day there's been US and Australian data, that's obviously going to move our, our major markets. And I think the main impact on gold was, of course, the dollar index. So the dollar index did pump. Uh, and broke out of downtrending resistance as well. So that would, of course, have implications for the price of gold. But something it also had an implication on was the Australian dollar. And if we've watched the Australian dollar for the last two, three, four months, it has gone absolutely nowhere. And we had one of our biggest moves in the dollar for a very long time, and it did plunge quite significantly uh, following that movement in gold as well. So I've been tracking the Australian dollar. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a longer-term downtrend, much like I wouldn't say yep, gold right is embarking is, yep. on a longer-term downtrend. Bit of a dip, though, but the problem is these dips, because something's run so hot, a little dip is quite literally a big dip. It's like uh, it's like if you see something that runs up 100% or so. If it dips a little bit, it is a huge dip. It is a massive dip for it, uh, and it feels, feels quite bad. Something that dips quite a bit and on a regular basis, all tied into gold, is, of course, Bitcoin, which has had a little bit of a dip right now. Now... Work with me on this one here, because this is, how, this is how my mind is working. We obviously saw inflationary fears. We saw Bitcoin go up, but we did not see much gold going up. Now, they mm -hmm. should both use to combat inflation. Is that true? Yes? It's not statistically proven to be inflation hedges, but that is the narrative we have been experiencing, that okay, cryptocurrencies perfect. and gold are potential hedges. Okay, against. okay, work with me here. Okay, so we're gonna, we, need to, we need to hedge against a inflationary fears. You can either go gold or crypto. A lot of people came out and said that gold would have done better, not least of all Peter Schiff, uh, uh, gold would have done better if Bitcoin wasn't in the picture. We saw Bitcoin have that huge big sell-off a couple of weeks ago, big, big pullback all the way down to the 30-ish US mark, yep. 30K, and we saw gold go on a nice little rally. Now that we've seen gold drop, what was up today? Bitcoin, is that a narrative that you're entertaining or do you think that is completely mythological made up? Uh, I wouldn't entertain an inverse narrative for, for sure. I think Bitcoin is something that's looking quite interesting right now because it's almost disappeared from the news and it's really, really waiting for a catalyst. We've had two weeks where Bitcoin is entering a narrowing wedge and a lot of these major uh, coins as well. Obviously, we have our anomalies that are still having their 1,000% days upon listing. Yeah. But the big ones, we've got Ethereum and Bitcoin, both in a very consolidation, mm. consolidatory pattern. Into that narrowing wedge. Waiting for news or waiting for a, a catalyst to make it break in either direction. Because once it moves in either direction, it'll be straight on the news again. Uh, there'll be tweets from all, all our favorites, such as Elon yeah, Musk. Yeah, they'll all be and, going and out, it will, yeah. And it will most definitely move. Every five seconds we'll yeah, hear about it. Because exactly. we haven't heard about it much on CNBC. It's interesting. It's sort of laying low a little bit now. Yeah. Everything else sort of comes. It's almost like we're talking real news now. Yeah, so well, we'll when it comes to inflation hedges, another one we don't have, we can't forget is, of course, other commodities. Yeah. Because commodities are you know, generally used as inflation hedges themselves. Now, one that has been very closely tied together is copper. Now, copper, as we know, along with nickel, have done has done exceptionally well over the last 12 months. We hasn't stopped talking about a commodity super cycle. We've had Goldman Sachs. They've probably been the most bullish on copper over the last three or four months. They reinstated their very uh, positive uh, outlook on it. And the fact that Bitcoin, copper, and gold are all being used as inflation hedges. Now, uh, this is a statement directly from them. Uh, if you look at the correlation between Bitcoin and copper, or a measure of risk appetite in Bitcoin, we've got 10 years of trading data on Bitcoin. They are both risk on assets and they are both risk on inflation hedges, in my opinion. That's an analyst at, from Goldman Sachs. So they wow, are seeing these wow. all really tied in the same space. Though they're not directly correlated. It's a very interesting relationship to watch. When we go over to nickel as well, we've had Fitch Solutions, where a major research firm over in the US, also upgrade their price targets on the commodity. 
Both of them have seen a little bit of softness this week. The long-term consensus, I suppose, on oil, uh, iron ore as well. Well, iron ore seems to be mm. remaining mm. elevated, but copper and nickel is all very positive and the outlook for them, uh, I myself share that as well. I once uh, saw a guy a number of years ago now, I was talking, chatting to a guy that, uh, that I met um, in, a, in a restaurant or a pub or somewhere, somewhere, and he was talking to me about his portfolio and he had uh, three quarter of a million dollars in ultra specky, specky um, commodities, really, really minerals like that, really, really stuff you've never even heard of, like really, really down, very, very small, one cent kind of things like that. And I said, why have you gone into that so much? Why haven't you gone to other things like the banks, etc., maybe more growth or these mid caps? And he said, well, at the end of the day, everything comes down to commodities. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, anything you make, if you break it down low enough, it's going to come down to a commodity. There's something that goes into it. I'm like, when you think about that logically, if we take glass or if we, well, let's just say we take these computers, if you break them down enough, That's very true. It, you will eventually get it so small that they will say, before obviously we go into you know, dividing all that, but we'll get down so small that they will get into some sort of a commodity. Well, yeah, I suppose every every activity that mm. a, a company engages in comes down to physical goods. You could look at insurance. Yeah. What is What are insurance companies insuring? They're insuring people's goods. Yeah. And then what are those goods made from? You made no, from commodities. We're going down the rabbit hole absolutely here. But let's talk about something that's a very, very large rabbit hole and we'll go over to Caroline Wong because she has got her beady little eye on iron ore and uh, talk to us a little bit about that. How's that all going? Going good, better than expected. So as of um, Monday, are you still bearish? Because I know you were double bear, double sell, double cautious, triple. Cautious you were approach. throwing the bear out with the bathwater. You were really, you were like, you were going to shoot the bear in the head and say it's all uh, done, it's all dusted. I'm more like walking on eggshells right uh, now. Oh, you're really okay. Cool. <laughs> so um, on Monday it was around 190 dollars a ton. As of this morning, it's back above 210 dollars a ton. So. Oh. Pretty okay. Um, ninety dollars. I remember back when it was ninety bucks. Mm. How long ago was it? Ninety dollars. Can't have been that long ago. Like what, a year. Yeah, when yeah, about a year, year ago. A year ago, mm. ninety two years ago, maybe not. Wow, unbelievable. What a, what a rise in a commodity. Unbelievable. Um, but in terms of China's plans to reduce its reliance on Australia's iron iron ore imports, it's not going too well as of now because um, steel production in April actually rose 7.5% to about 3.26 million tonnes. So Bank of America feels that as long as there's reasonable demand from China, um, it's not that easy for them to put prices down for a prolonged period of time. And also the fact that if they were to move away from Australia, they need to find a lot of several hundred mines actually in fact um to meet up with the current production so it's level. a bit of a bluff they're saying yeah we don't need to yeah. but, uh, and but the, I think on top of that they've been saying it for a few times right now yeah they've been yeah. saying it a few times certainly not the first time yeah. Yeah. is that uh, you just focus on getting some babies we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah if i could just jump in there and mention one more commodity uh that we did mention last week because we had a viewer question i'm not sure mm. if he's watching again what was that gentleman's name george, george t, t. He, george he's t. actually emailed in twice he's emailed he wrote on i don't know if he's watching today he is please give a shout out mr george t but um he uh, he originally posted a question on uranium and then he came back and uh said it again and we said we'll do some research you've done some research so i hope he's well, watching i know i know he only asked the question i gave him a stock and that stock was paladin energy and of course we know that went up 20 percent this week and has done exceptionally well over the last the reason months. we call you there the mystic mr louis yeah Moscow, of course mate. i know something else and he asked me give me another one so i've brought him another uh, uranium player now a lot mm. of these uranium stocks are highly speculative and a lot of them aren't are actively producing the commodity and mining it. They have a lot of mines that are being in maintenance, as you would call it, which means they know what's there. They're maintaining the mine. If demand picks up, they can turn on that mine straight away or very efficiently and quickly rather than getting it started from scratch. So another one of these companies, it's called uh, Deep Yellow Limited. Ticker code is DYL. 
Now they are trading uh, for a very, very small market cap and a, a low price. However, they are operating in the same location as Paladin Energy. And I believe in the past, they also had some relations with each other and they do help each other out on some of these projects. Now they are located in Namibia and own two uh, uranium projects there. Now, all of these companies are very subject to, of course, global demand for uranium. Yes. Now, we had two major backers this week looking to develop some more clean, sustainable and safe forms of uranium production and energy production from uranium. And they were, of course, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, I believe. So they've um, gone into yeah, yeah. Warren Buffett. So yeah. they're, both, they're both trying to explore. Of course, we can go into the renewables. We can go into the solar, the wind, mm -hmm. uh, the hydro. But another one is uranium. And if we can find a safe and effective way to do that, which we need the investment from these, you know, Big ones, yep. philanthropic people to do so, then it's definitely a viable source of, you know, generating electricity and energy for our modern world. So just say these two fund some huge projects uh, into uranium. Companies like this who know they have uranium and they've got a mine that can be readily operated very soon, these are the smaller companies that could do very well in the long term. So that's another one for you, DYL. So moral of the story, on the podcast, write a comment in the questions, ask a question, <laughs> and we'll give you a stock that will go up 20% in a week. Is oh. that is that... Is that, is that what we're saying? I wouldn't attach the word guarantee, but I like my chances. Very <laughs> good. So, as commodities and currencies and the events that have shaped them, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. Our phone lines are now open. But for now, like, subscribe, and hit that bell. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we'll have your best and worst performers on the Australian market this week. The world changed this year. So did the stock market. Is it time for a change in your portfolio? Invest with confidence. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with Kosek, Kodari Securities. RBA has cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1%. Returns in saving accounts are now shockingly low. We have never seen these conditions before. The good news is that the stock market benefits from low interest rates and historically has outperformed property or any other asset class. COSEC uses a unique stock market filtering system called Lotus Blue, which helps generate solid profits for clients. During COVID in April 2020, COSEC recommended Kogan, which went up 340%. In June, COSEC recommended Saracen Minerals, which went up 23%. In October, COSEC recommended Nickel Mines, which went up 33%. If you want your money working overtime, you need to know what stocks to buy and when to sell. That's where COSEC can help. With no barriers to entry, it's just simple investing. Build wealth with a concrete investment strategy. Go to COSEC.com.au. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue and receive our top eight stock picks today.
Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods, having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. Welcome back. Let's move on to our next section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were. Were there shed tears shed this week? Who lost money and who has Christmas come early for? Caroline, as always, our queen of charts. I'm going to start off with yourself. Let's uh, let's see what sort of will unpack what's happened this sure. week. Let's look at our beautiful chart. Our top performing sector this week was energy up 7%. It's been a while oh, since we wow. last seen a sector doing outperforming like 5% and above. Seven is massive. Um, Beach Energy rose 6% over the week. Oil Search had a good week, um, up close to 10% this week. And then Utilities. This big, one has been. Big shout out to uh, our Associate Director who picked Beach Energy. Well done, mate. Yes. Okay, yeah. Six percent, very good, Jonathan. <laughs> Utilities um, up four point three one percent. So this one has been lagging behind the past few weeks, but Origin Energy rose fourteen percent over the week. Wow, fourteen percent. Um, in terms of the worst performing sector, bit, but it's, sorry, sorry, I'm yeah. just going to stop you there. I can't, I can't just keep quiet. That's a, yes, that's great. Fourteen percent, seven percent, brilliant, brilliant. But how how many weeks did they go down for? Like how much down was that before we eventually got this big one off pop? Yeah, that's but that's not that's not a business not that I've really looked at as a great investment opportunity. It's like yeah, sure, fourteen percent. It's one it's one of those dividend paying stocks that you you'll get your four and a half percent yield out of it, but there's definitely more attractive opportunities <laughs> in the market. Anyway, sorry, can but, continue. Um, in terms of our worst performing sectors, actually not that bad really. Healthcare down slightly more than half a percent. So Mesoblast, a healthcare player that's uh, in the regenerative sector. So that was down about tumbled to about 10% this week. So in their oh. third quarter, they announced their third quarter financials. Revenue actually tumbled 85%. To now that, that company's never made a lot of money. That It's never, it's always been in this perpetual R&D. I feel like mm -hmm. they just put it into the ASX 300 just because they felt sorry for it because it's been listed for such a long time. They have a lot of interesting products, but it's all about what are they going to do in the future and they're not being able to develop and sell products right now. And that's yeah. at the end of the day what you're buying, what they're doing right now. I know you're buying 
showing what they're doing in the future as well, but they're not really proving that sustainability. And when you see an 84% drop in revenues, I think a fall in share prices is very justified. Well, certainly when you do stock valuation. Yeah, you have a nightmare, don't you? Because we ask you, because everyone wants valuations <laughs> on these stocks that do really well, like Afterpay Touch and all these ones that are doing really, and they don't make money yet. That's the thing, right? They've all done really, and everyone's always says to us, can you value this speculative business that's been listed for a year? And I just see you just scratch your head and say, well, not really, because <laughs> it doesn't make any money. So it's its value to, should be zero. Yeah, it's hard to put a price target on companies that are pushed by sentiment. Just while well, I throw it out there, have a guess what the market capitalization of Mesoblast is for a company that doesn't make much money. It's big. It's got after, it's, after it's ASX two hundred, right? After this collapse in share price, it's one point two billion. Wow! Right, wow. so it's a, quite a large market cap for a company that does make a lot of money. And another one as well, uh, Nanosonics. But yeah. again, they're trading on their future cash flows and their future earnings potential. So that that's really what you're looking at there. But if you were trying to value that, if you like, if you're Dr. Adam there, who says his whole thing's based around the valuation yeah. models, and he vets and checks all of the the stocks that we go for, he would sit there and he would say, well, there's no intrinsic value because the company doesn't actually make any money. It's pretty hard to argue with that. If you've got something that's actually not used for anything, like Bitcoin, I mean, like, uh, you know, like, like <laughs> things out there that aren't used yeah, the Bitcoin, for the Bitcoin's a perfect example. It might not have tangible uses right now. But the, they're trading on what it could do exactly, in the future. And that's exactly what the market does and operates off, what it can do in the future. And I know the valuations that some of Adam's models spits out can be quite skewed and far off, but the, evaluate, the company's financials uh, and their actual earnings Sorry, and their actual price can be very often. I'm sure you'd have a, an hour's worth of work to say on that. Well, I mean, it fluctuates quite a bit, but I mean, for for companies that are performing solid and have yeah. consistent growth or consistent uh, performance, then the numbers are much better and you can much more accurate predict. Yeah. Very course. good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear more about valuation models, if you want to know what the value of your stocks are, we are hosting a webinar next week on Tuesday. If you haven't been sent a link to that, please email us at info at cosec.com.au and we can get you signed up for that webinar. It's a presentation on all the valuation models. It's going to show you our proprietary information valuation model done from COSEC and how we value shares as well. Always good to know what the value of your stocks are. But for now, we have had a viewer question email in. We want to go to that right now. Hey guys, just wanted to ask a question. As the economy rebuilds after a shocker of a year, what are your thoughts on travel stocks and who are your favorites, favorite players in the industry? Thank you. Well, there you have it. So, love that question. How good is that? With everything sort of starting to reopen, back up the economy sort of rebounding, yeah. what do you think of travel stocks? That's a simple, and that's such a tricky question, isn't it? Because when you think about it logically, yeah, why not? Buy them on the dip. Absolutely, if they go down enough, Qantas pick it up when it's very, very low, yep. two bucks or whatever it is, and then just ride it all the way back up again. Surely everything's going to come back around. But the old saying goes, it can keep dipping and a cheap stock can even get cheaper. So, Dr. Adam Cherikowski, what's your thoughts on the travel stocks, travel sector stocks at the moment? Your bull well, bear? Or? I mean, certainly long term, I am uh, very optimistic, but I think we should be cautious short term. Yep. Yeah, yep. for sure. I, I'd 100% agree with that. Over the last 12 months, I've 
completely steered clear of the travel sector and travel stocks simply with the fact is and we've known this and watched this happen over the last 12 months every month the date when the international travel reopens has just been pushed back and back and back we've got south african variants indian variants we've got cases again sparking in melbourne and sydney like we really don't know when this uh, international recovery and reopening is going to happen of course our economy is doing very well and domestic consumption mm, in a lot mm, of the mm. major developing companies is improving but when it comes to fully opening up the world uh, you know, outside of an Australia-New Zealand travel bubble, which in itself has had trouble getting oh, off its feet, yeah. and it has you know struggled, I would definitely steer clear of uh, a travel sector stock specific until I find an absolute bargain, and you know the probability of uh, re uh, reopening justifies that price. Uh, at the moment, I don't see anything that uh, sparks my interest in, so, in there from the ASX 300 off lag. What about, what about yourself, Caroline? I know um, you're slightly more positive. Oh, no. <laughs> you just want to go home. You just want to go overseas, don't you? <laughs> but I feel like Qantas, if you look at the airline stocks, they're not reacting that badly when you say yeah. that there's an But they were, they were having big, big swings when, yeah. when anything that kind of came out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think maybe travel stocks more in terms of like flight center yeah. or corporate travel. Corporate, corporate travel has actually been doing very well for the past month. I think it's up 20. 29% and it's still got about 40, 49% or 50% before it reaches its all time high. So it's been trending very well. It's not that, not, not everything is bad. There are still silver linings. Yeah, but when, when you approach a business and a stock for me, and I'm, I'm jumping back at you, Caroline, mm. but I want a little bit more, I suppose, conviction and certainty behind what I'm buying. And you need that macroeconomic backing. And without the certainty and confidence that there's going to be a robust reopening, there's too much speculation. And of course you want to marry up risk return in any investment idea. And everyone has their own, you know, I suppose, risk tolerance. And I myself don't mind taking a little bit of risk, mm. but going into that space where I can't accurately forecast, predict, and no one can, mm, what's going to mm. happen in that sector. Then again, that's probably somewhere I'd just hold off and keep an eye on, of course, yeah. but hold off for the time being. Okay. So one positive narrative that could be like some people have decided to actually work home and if they're not allowed to, they will quit their job. So there are some cases of this. Yeah. So maybe Absolutely. That was as, huge, wasn't it? As that is moving forward, maybe they will like say, oh, now I want to have vacation. Yeah. This was amazing. This yeah. was amazing. Earlier on in the week, we had a person who was asked, I think it was on the news somewhere, someone was asked to go into the office for three days for a meeting or something, three days a week, and she said, no, I'd just rather quit. Yeah, and I think there's a survey conducted in the US as well saying if they were required to full-time go back to work and not given the option of working from home or working remotely, they'd simply quit their jobs and find a position where working remotely was optional for a period of time. And you think about that, as opposed to two years ago, it's again, it's another cultural shift that has been brought on it's and set in stone by the pandemic. It's, it's incredible. We've gone completely backflipped. We've gone from everyone exactly. wanting jobs, everyone being scared about this whole lockdown thing, everyone thinking, oh no, I'm going to lose, lose my job. Everyone's, we're in a recession to now everyone's like, nah, I don't need to work. But, but it's not, it's not the job. It's the flexibility of working from home that people have become comfortable with. And look, I know as well, people, my own father, he loves his Mondays at home. He has his day off and to work mm. from home. And I've got a lot of mates uh, that work various jobs across various industries and they enjoy the flexibility and that flexibility. People have always liked it. Yes. But now it's been something that everyone has been given availability to. And they're very much like, personally, I hate it. I love coming to the office every day and being with mm, people yeah. and seeing people, especially you know, mothers and fathers at working from home with children. It's definitely something that the uh, society in general has become more accustomed to. And that's not going to change. Hey, listen, you're talking to the guy who hasn't taken a holiday in four and a half years. We're well aware of that. I mean, I like coming to the office. Oh, you, won't, you can't drag me away from this place. It's absolutely brilliant. Course. I actually just uh, end up sleeping in the podcast room. It's that. Yeah, behind the curtain. There, yeah, just behind the, <laughs> behind, the, behind the curtain there. So to sum up from this viewer's question, okay, 
we um you know think it's it's a bit risky every cloud does have its silver lining but uh you might not be flying in the clouds anytime soon is that what we're sort of getting out there i love that yeah you like that joke very very good so Let's move on to our next section now, as always, back by popular demand. Let's take you to the street. It's the Street Talk, Street Walk. Welcome to Street Walk, Street Talk. So I'm in our beautiful city of Sydney, asking people about the market. So what business or what sector would you put that million dollars into? Hmm, interesting. Probably the disability sector. Okay, why is that? It's a growing area, um, aged care, uh, disability support. It's um, a growing need in the community. Right. And I think uh, that's the future for the economy. Right, okay. Well, uh, look, the second question is um, AMC. Uh, they've gone up 95%. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds like from what you're saying, you'd be more of an investor, not a trader. I'm not appraised enough to comment on that. It uh, does seem a bit of a mystical art, though. Right. Um, so I'd like to see the, uh, the logic and the economics behind it. Uh, it needs to be a bit more robust before I would consider tapping into that. Renewable energy? Yep. Mm. Why is that? It's the way of the future. I don't know the sector that well yeah. at the moment. No. Okay. No. Great. All right. Well, uh, look. Maybe graphite, rare earth minerals. Which ones in particular required the most? I don't know at the moment. Right. I'm not on the market at the moment. Uh, oh, so you're not you're not investing yourself? Not at the moment. No. Okay. And uh, is that is that? I got burned when the price of oil collapsed. So you're a commodity. I was. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I lost and about a quarter of a million. Wow. Uh, if they had a million dollars, where would they put that million dollars? What business or, or sector would you put that? Oh, great question. I'll probably go big four banks, would probably be first choice, and then uh, maybe small piece in mining industry for uh, new upcoming stuff. That right. would be my choice, yep. Right. And, and the big four, you, would you put that in there because you, you think that's very stable, that that'll come back? And, uh, and mining, that's some way that you can, uh, I guess, have a little bit more risk in the portfolio? Is that something that you see? I do. I do think that would be the one where you'd probably go with a higher risk value. The big banks, purely because of dividends, that pays out as well. And just the growth, I still think there's a lot of growth there potentially. Plus, probably got IT as well, which is high risk, which could pay off really well. But... Uh, they seem to be falling back after COVID, so I think mining, lithium, all of that would be a good choice to go, yeah. Right, right. And uh, so would you classify yourself as more of an investor or a trader? Probably investor in that sense. Right. Yeah. Right. Don't know right. too much. Yeah. <laughs> to had a million dollars, what business or sector would they put that million dollars into? I'd put it into the charity. Yeah. Start up something in Africa. Okay. School what? for the underprivileged. Right, right. Any, any uh, in particular that you're most interested in? What, a charity? No, there's a few private ones around I'd right. be looking at, yeah. And uh, so it's your opinion that private charities are probably uh, better than any other sort? Yeah, well, I'm, they're more focused on uh, less administration and more giving to the people, right. so yes. Okay, yeah. great, great. All right. What is it that you're most interested in investing? Oh, in equities. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. okay. And in equities, tech stocks. Yeah. Tech. Okay. Yeah. Right. 
And is there any particular tech stocks that uh, you've you've seen do really well, or that you've um, you've become yeah, Nvidia? Nvidia? Yeah. That's the graphics card company. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Million dollars. I put it in Bitcoin. Bitcoin. You'd put it in Bitcoin. Yeah, it's been very volatile today recently. Today I would put it in Bitcoin. Today it's come down. So it's it's, it's a buying opportunity. Totally, man. Why yeah. not? I probably still I probably still put it in. Uh, Probably still put it in Tesla because I think they're, you know, they've still got a good future, I think. So, uh, right. yeah. Right. I will put the money in my mortgage that I had paid off and then invest in shares. Okay, shares. Yeah. And uh, what specific uh, sector in, the, in those shares, the equity space, what, what are you most interested in? Uh, in technology. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, mostly in technology, uh, like financial technology mostly. Okay, so fintechs. But I do my own research first. Like I'm yet to, it's on my to-do list. I'm doing research and then, but yeah, it's a big thing. Everyone talks about it. I think that's when we have to be uh, cautious about moving. I just want to do it something whimsically. I'll do my own research and then make a decision. Right, right. So do you think that, you know, when everyone's talking about something, that's a signal to get in or get out? Uh, I like to believe what Warren Buffett said. If everyone is greedy, then be cautious. Yep. If everyone is cautious, then be greedy. So okay. that's how I would go by. Great. Uh, if you had a million dollars, what business or sector would you put that million dollars into today? Um, E-commerce. Yep. I think something that's very uh, high at the moment. It's growing really fast. Okay. Uh, is there? Um, are, are you currently invested in that? Or uh, no, not at all. It's been something I've been thinking about, but not at the moment, no. Right, right. And, uh, and uh, obviously this is inspired by COVID and... COVID and lockdown, everyone buying, um, doing online shopping, I'm included. I've um, yep. been doing a lot of online shopping, so, and I know the shares for Afterpay and, and stuff like that has, has gone skyrocketing and stuff like that, so yeah, e-commerce right. is something I definitely be looking at. Now, when you talk about uh, e-commerce, obviously everyone thinks of Amazon, you go, you order online. Yeah. Do you have any preference over, say, Amazon or Australian companies like uh, like Kogan? Would you would you do you even care? Is it a is it a thing you consider, or is it? I wouldn't limit myself to anything. Whatever makes more money, I guess. Um, but at the same time, obviously, Australian companies would be better. People would um, trust it more in that sense. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when I do look into it, it will be something I'd I'd be researching about and everything. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, and tell me, are you an investor or a trader? A bit of both, but I'd say investor. Okay. Yeah. All right. We had it. Let's take you to the lovely streets of Sydney. Guy lost a quarter of a million dollars on oil. That'd be a nasty shock. You reckon, uh, you reckon Bitcoin's bad? Jeepers, that's uh, not so good. But he reckons renewable energy. Is that right? I mean, a lot to unpack today. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Uh, Dr. Adam Cherikowski, what do you think? Well, I certainly feel bad for him. That's that's quite a bit of money to lose <laughs> there. And well, last year have been so fluctuating. I mean, certainly a lot of opportunity to lose money. I mean, futures were in the negative for oil. Yeah, for the first time ever. For the first time ever. So timing is really crucial and uh, it can really happen that opportunities rise and go and, and maybe he just needs a better advisor, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I like that advice as well. But as well, you, you do want to kind of suppose separate what you want to invest in. If it's a 
an ethical standpoint, then you might steer clear of those oils and, and such uh, and go to renewables. But if you look at oil, oh, since it dropped negative, it's back up at $70 a barrel, both Brent and almost crude now as well. So, and it does look very positive as, as I was mentioning and you were mentioning before. Uh, certainly short term. I mean, we have the summer ahead of us. Tourism will be, will yep. be going up again. I mean, yeah, of course, people are, are probably a little cautious, mm. but again, I think mobility of people, especially across Europe, uh, is far greater than it was last summer, that's for sure. And that's obviously when oil went negative. Speaking about mobility of people, we're going to tie that into the next thing, uh, disability and age sector. Yes. Uh, like that's an interesting sort of thing. You're talking about aging population. We've sort of spoken about what China's sure. doing on that. Is that a sector which you could uh, see food the growth in? Uh, well, when, it when it comes to a sector, I suppose, you've always got to be very stock, spot stock specific. When it comes to aged care, we definitely know that people don't really want to be in nursing home right now. A lot of Australia's controversy surrounding COVID-19 was involved directly in nursing homes. And they were going to do a, a commission, weren't they going to do a royal commission? Yeah, the poor management of the crisis mm. within those nursing homes. And I feel like a lot of elderly people, and especially their families, might be very cautious about having them in a nursing home, you know, in a control, in a very standardised environment. However, this is a company that I was just, I loved hearing that because I've got a company that I've been tracking for a very long time and it is IntelliCare. It's ticker code, I believe, is ICR. Now, what they do is they allow people to retire from home, okay? Oh, this one, yes. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I go on about it all the time. Now, they haven't exactly proven themselves in signing big contracts and doing great volumes of their product. But what they do, instead of putting cameras around people's homes, they have these pads that they put on a wall and they're sensors. So they monitor the activity, the movement, the heart rate, the time spent in each room of elderly people. And the whole pitch is they're not very intrusive. Yes, you can have a camera up in the corner watching an elderly person, make sure they're all okay at all times. If you go to a person, they're gonna imply they're gonna include artificial intelligence into this product to remotely monitor these people to keep an eye on them at all times. And I'm definitely watching that stock uh, very closely, trading at twenty four cents a share. So uh, over the long term, I do like the model, I like the company, and the product. Perfect. Right. I just want to talk to you about the big four banks, dividends. Uh, future of that sort of that in that kind of space there. Uh, Caroline, did you have any comments on that? Or are we turning that over to... I think it's good. Like yep. that space is good. So with the um, economic rebounding, so banks, we saw that last year, they, they cut off dividends totally. But then now with the recent earnings season, we've seen that all the big four banks are resuming dividends. So that's a good sign. And as the economy continues to rebound, there's more dividends to be coming up. And I noticed this one, this uh, when we took it to the streets this time, no one mentioned Bitcoin for the whole time. Oh, no, wait. Maybe they did mention yeah. Bitcoin. What did they say about Bitcoin? It's a buying signal, right? Uh, buy the dip, buy the dip, buy, buy the, the dip. dip. Buy the dip. And they also mentioned Tesla uh, having its big sort of move. That old Elon Musk is not having a good time of it, is it? His, his Bitcoin's gone down a lot, halved yeah. in value, and his stock share price is dropping astronomically. It's, yeah. it's, it's really not in a good space. And all the other, over in the US, all the other car manufacturers, Ford, etc. General Motors, they were doing really, really well. But um, yeah, when you look at the market capitalization of Bitcoin and you look at the volumes they do compared to the major car producers mm. across the world, their market cap is greater than a lot of them combined. Yeah, You're talking about yeah. Mitsubishi, Suzuki, um, Toyota, you all mean combined. Tesla? You mean Tesla? Tesla, yeah. yeah. Their market cap is greater than all of these companies combined and they don't do significant volumes. You're really, really trading on the future earnings. That the Tesla potential for the future. Exactly. And it, like their valuation is not justified it is reasonably justified. Obviously, there is a future in electric vehicles, but we're now seeing a lot of companies move into that space. And yes, they have a first mover advantage. Yes, they've got a character like Elon Musk really backing the product and promoting it. But at the end of the day, the product can be easily replicated at a cheaper price. And there's a lot of movers into this market, especially, especially coming out of Asia. So obviously, that softness in the share price was definitely 
called and called and called by a lot of short. You're really buying. You're really buying Elon. I think for for a lot of people say that they'd be buying. He's come out and said that he wants to go into the restaurant chains and stuff like that. I think that was on an article. Yeah. And he has also said that the electric car vehicles are only going to be a tiny part of yeah. of his uh, of his business in the future. So yeah. you know, still optimistic and, and kind of moving forward. Talk to me a lot. The next one is. Um, he said, pay off the mortgage and invest in financial technology shares. So that's fintech shares. Fintech shares. So we're talking EML yeah. payments, afterpay touch, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I suppose so. That kind of kind of thing like that. That makes a little bit of sense in, in that one through there. Yes. Yeah, so if that gentleman was talking about fintech, I would uh, refer him to last week's podcast where we actually were discussing Spriggy. Uh, and Caroline uh, did her research up on that. And if you watch the last podcast, it's a very interesting company that's looking to list very soon on the ASX. And they provide uh, uh, savings plans and pocket money plans for young children, debit cards, and uh, yeah, different ways to manage that. Very interesting company. So I'd recommend checking them out. Very, very good. So that's the best and the worst on the ASX of this week. That is a video question from one of our viewers. And that is Streetwalk Street Talks. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel. In the meantime, let's take a short break. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that bell. And we'll be back with our final section of the show. the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec Investment Edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. to any relationship. 
Unfortunately, it's nothing that can be bought. It's earned. As an investor working with an organization, they need to demonstrate integrity. They must show consistency, full transparency, accountability. They must be genuine in their approach. Their core values must align with yours. They need to put your interest first. If you are considering investing, work with an organisation that earns and nurtures trust. Work with an organisation you believe in. Work with an organisation that treats you the same way they like to be treated. Join an organisation that views clients as people, not people as clients. If you are considering investing, consider Kosek Kadari Securities. kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Kosek is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Kosek Kadari Securities. Welcome back. The moment we've all been waiting for, the final section of the Kosek Show. So this is what investors are really looking for. We know what oil, gold, and the dollar's done. We know what the top performers for the week were. Now, let us find out what our panel's looking at for the week to come. Dr. Terekowski, why don't you give us a little bit of an update on what you're looking at? Thank you for asking. Yeah, so my pick for the week is Credit Corp. So ticker code CCP. And um, so this is a financial com company, obviously. Same one you had last week, right? Yes. Has it gone up or down from when you mentioned it? Uh, yes, it has gone up. So you just, I think we've got this whole thing on the show now. What we're going to do is if your stock goes up after you mention it, then you can just keep mentioning it and keep saying it. And then you don't have to pick one. So really- Too modest, Adam. Too modest. Yeah. So what is it up? 10%, 5%, 20%, 90%? Well, 
roughly <laughs> roughly six six uh, percent. That's not bad. It's pretty good. Six percent in a week's pretty good. Anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, so I guess as I was mentioning last time, so you can also see the video from last time if you want. Mm -hmm. So the company is. Uh, getting the revenue from debt purchasing, debt collection. They have had a, a really nice growth over the years, like revenue is steadily growing as they acquire new companies. Earnings have also been very nice. Uh, had a little bit of a dip during the dip during the pandemic, but the momentum is back up and um, and I project it will continue. So also if you look at the inter uh, all the broker calls are positive or up to the 20% in the green. So um, overall all the technicals um um, are very positive. So let's actually now look at the chart as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, we see uh, that this week the stock has had a higher high with positive MACD and stochastic, both classical buy signals. So uh, the the sentiment is definitely still in the in the in the green, and I think it will continue for some time. Very very good. All right, Smith Caroline Wong, yes. what are you looking at this week? The ever mystic. Vision Pico Healthcare, ticker code FPH. So this one is a dual listed player, um, listed in Australia and also listed in New Zealand, ah. hometown, your hometown. Yeah, <laughs> New Zealand, my hometown. New Zealand, right. It's just one town. Yeah, it's not, the there's actually more than one town. We also, yeah, there's, there's more than one town there. <laughs> Note. So anyway, this company is involved in the manufacture of respiratory care products. They are so involved extensively in the treatment of obstructive sleep apnea, OSA. So macroeconomically speaking, why does it make sense? Because uh, many more Australians are suffering from sleep disorders. And these actually amount to an economic loss of about 14 billion between 2019 to 2020. So uh, Fisher and Pico stands to benefit considering that they are specialists in such a niche area. Now they're duopoly, aren't they? They they well, a bit of a duopoly, I suppose. There's only sort of two that really do it, and the other one's Resmed, yes. Mm -hmm. So Fisher and Pike are quite similar to Resmed. Yeah. Better company, you think? Better I think it's a fundamentally very sound company. Leads me to my next point. When I was looking at the financials, revenues, cash flows, and earnings have been increasing, increasing consecutively for the past nine years. Mm -hmm. So I think in that regard, that will probably surpass Resmed. Okay, so there we got we got financials, we got healthcare. Mr. Mossman, what are you looking at this week and why do you like it so much for the week to come? Yeah, so this company, I don't think anyone's brought it to the podcast before and the name itself doesn't sound really exciting or have any indication to what they do. And it's Macmillan Shakespeare, ticket code MMS. Now this business, I'll read out the list of activities like and areas book. they it's offer. Like yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's salary packaging, novated leasing, fleet and asset management, as well as retail finance services. So a lot of these things don't sound very exciting, but if you want to do, if you if what you'd want to do is pull them in a, in a general class of what they all require and relate to. And that's the general level of economic activity and business activity as well. We definitely have seen, as Caroline mentioned, increased private sector investment, especially a lot of these companies who are very cashed up, investing in both new projects and their employees, all of which those services cover. So they do fleet leasing. So if you're a person that maybe doesn't want to drive, doesn't want to go on public transport tour from the office, leasing a car or leasing a company car and having a fleet asset management could be something that, that they're yeah. willing to benefit uh, yeah. from. But all of those things, again, are, are tied to general level of economic activity and businesses investing in their, in their, in their staff and future investment opportunities. Now, a lot of institutions have cited the exact same thing. We've got Credit Suisse and Macquarie also with 10 to 12% upside ratings on the company. And they've cited that exact reason. The general level of economic activity is going to benefit directly from Macmillan Shakespeare. So they like it as well. But the final reason, probably the most significant reason I like it is because of its chart. And it's had a, a chart very similar to the companies like ALQ, um, ARB from earlier in the year. 
consistently making higher highs now, just bouncing off its 200-day exponential and simple moving average. Now, this week has been another positive week for the company. It's had a few volatile days, but it definitely is exhibiting a lot of momentum just to continue higher in, in a very solid uh, direction back to its all-time highs or previous highs, sorry, might I say, uh, just a couple of months ago. So that's my pick for this week. Uh, ticket code MMS Macmillan Shakespeare. So it's been around a while as well. That stock's been around a while. Yes, of course. Bit. Standing the test of time, just like the old William Shakespeare oh, yeah, himself. <laughs> so that is Macmillan Shakespeare standing the test of time. All credit to you, good sir, with your pick on Credit Corp. See what it did there. You like that one there. And a very healthy chart from Fisher and Paykel Health. And that is all the puns that I am doing for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we want to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy weekend and we look forward to seeing you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee and this has been The Cosec Show.